when, when I first started entrepreneurship, I wanted to be like right. I wanted to know everything. I felt like it detracted from my credibility if I said I didn't know something. Then I got in this room, this older white guy. He was, I mean, he had to be, I mean, he's definitely the richest guy in that room. I don't know how what his net worth was. But they were going over this advanced concept, and all the new people were just, like, sitting there quiet. Nobody wanted to say that they didn't know what was going on. He's like, hold on, I'm not following. Can you, like, can you run it back? Like, this is, this, is, this is going over my head. Everybody looked around like, wait, so if he can ask the question, and he has the most money in the room, why are we trying to act like we know it all? Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Full Transparency with Donnie Wiggins, where we talk all things entrepreneurship, life, even relationships. Basically, I give you the fly-on-the-wall perspective of entrepreneurs who are doing great things, Guys, I want you to go with me in this episode as I am getting uh, to know more about, actually, I know a whole lot about this guy. We're friends in real life, um, but I'm going to get to know him in a way that you get to know him and we get to understand all of the great things that he is doing. One of my favorite financial education minds, Mr. George Achenpong. How are you today? Hey, if I was any better, I'd be you, so I'm doing good. You with the one-liners. Hey. You with the one. Do you know I mean that? Do you know that I really mean that you are one of the one of my favorite um, financial mindsets? I appreciate that. The financial education space. Nobody's seen you. There's there's obviously we have a a mutual relationship that that person is also really genius at that. But Mm -hmm. I was introduced to you there and not really. I knew you before then. Um, But you when you give financial education advice it's in such a digestible way. I appreciate that. I have learned so much from you over the last four years. That and now I find myself giving my clients like <laughs> a little game. Like, no, yeah. no, no, you don't want to do that. Let yeah. me tell you what you want to do. No, nah, that's dope. Because that's I heard dope. you say it first. Hey, I love it. You love to see it. I you love, love to, to see it. it. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. So everybody must know that we go way back. Way back. Um, we used to, way back, like four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, 20, what, 2019? 2019. 2019. Yeah. It was 2019. And actually, a little bit before that, so we were familiar on social media right. Um, right. prior to, and you know, we do the the I like your post, yeah, you like yeah, my yeah, post, yeah. little DM stuff, right, like right, right. oh that was dope information. And, and, now, and now we, I don't know how we got here. We're sending each other all all the funny stuff in the First world. First of all, you're you're in my meme phase. <laughs> we send memes back and forth, you guys, yeah. every single day, all day. Like George, when do you work? Well, you know, I mean, I own the company, you know, so this is, this is you don't you don't let the company run you when you own it. This is true. We yeah. send some of the most ridiculous memes, things that we can't share. On we don't want to get canceled. <laughs> we don't want to get canceled. Um, or yeah. we don't want to be looked at sideways because right. we send the most inappropriate stuff back and forth. But, but it'd, it'd be, be funny. So funny. It'd be so funny. Yo, it'd be so hilarious. So our our actual friendship started as a result of us working together at one yep. point. And that's why, like, I know that you know your stuff. We actually have experience. Right. We've worked together. Um, and like and, and likewise, I was like, yo, when it comes to operations yeah. and systems and organizational leadership, I was, at first I, ain't gonna lie, I was I was a little bit intimidated. I was like, who like how, how is she this good? Because because <laughs> I mean, at that point, I was what, maybe halfway, a little more than halfway through my entrepreneurial career. And I was having to work through some of those things about just like infrastructure. It's one thing to, to sell a product. Right. Yeah. It's another thing to have the infrastructure dialed in. And so that's something I really learned from you. So Thank I appreciate you. A question, how how do you get so good? Like you're you know, I feel like yeah. you know everything <laughs> in the financial education space. Yeah. Obviously there's always more to learn. Right. But how do you establish yourself in a way before even that, like yeah. because we went straight into it. What tell everybody what you do. Yeah, so I have been a financial advisor and wealth manager for the past twelve years. 
and I have a mission of helping 100,000 people to look like us achieve their first $1 million in net worth mm-hmm. so we can decrease the wealth gap by $100 billion. I love that. I love yeah. that. When you say look like us, do you mean tall? People of color. Oh. Black people. <laughs> Black people. Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. How, do you, how do you get to the point where you are an authority in your space and it's irrefutable, basically? Yeah. That's a great question. Well, I mean, it first starts with just doing the work, right? Like I've been doing this for 12 years. Everything that I've done has been a derivative or variation of just like having a goal of helping people become better with money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it starts out with, okay, what does your, so I I started out working at a firm and they, you know, kind of taught me what I know. Um, But then I, I, I felt like, what they were teaching me was too traditional, too foundational. It was like, oh, teach people to put $400 away in an account for 40 years. I'm just like, well, I'm not doing that. And so it just starts with just digging deeper and wondering if there's more out there, right? And so the first thing I learned was that retirement has nothing to do with age and has everything to do with assets, Mm -hmm. right? So you teach people a lot about entrepreneurship. So when you hear people say, oh, invest 10% of your income, i.e. $5,000 a year, it's only because you make $50,000 a year. But if you make $100,000 a year, you can quadruple your savings rate while only doubling your savings rate. So what I mean by that is if you double your savings rate to 20%, mm-hmm. you now can invest $20,000, which means you can invest four times more than when you made 50000 which inherently is going to speed up the journey. So it has nothing to do with you being 65. It has everything to do with you not making enough money or being a good enough steward over the money you have to be able to allocate more. So that was the first thing. I was like, okay, cool. So it has nothing to do with age. It's not about being 65. It's we got to make more money, mm-hmm. be better stewards. That was the first box. And the next box, box was, okay, well, that's cool. But accumulating all this money in an, in an investment and retirement account, let's just say a million dollars, based upon the current industry standards, you can only withdraw 4% of that to not run out of money, right? right. That's the 4% rule, for those who didn't know. 4% of a million dollars is 40000 I said, well, wait, you mean to tell me if I have a million dollars invested, I can only withdraw 40,000. And that just seemed hyper inefficient. I, and I love the stock market. We can get into that too, but like it seemed hyper inefficient. So I was like, I like the stock market for its passive appreciation, but I don't like it for its cash flow. So then I went deeper. I said, okay, so it's not about accumulation, it's about cash flow. So then how can you take the power of having a passive vehicle like the stock market, couple it with owning businesses that you own but do not run and real estate and really, really build wealth? And so I started to kind of put all that together. And as I started to preach that message, it started to resonate with people. Got you. Did you go to college um, for this? Like, did you study finance or accounting or anything in college? I got a double major in marketing and economics, but the economics side, I it didn't really translate to anything I'm doing now. I got it just because my, my family didn't know much about money. And I was just like, oh, I probably should know about money so that I can help them. That was my only motivation for understanding money. I had no ambition of it being a career path. I just wanted to learn about money for myself personally so I could help my family. Then I graduated in 09. We all know what happened in, happened in 09. So <laughs> the role I was supposed to have at Coca-Cola, that's my first job, yeah. it, um, it went away. And it, that was in marketing. So I was like, well, I got the economics degree. Maybe I can do something in the finance world. And the rest is history. And, but I had no ambition of being in the finance world. So yeah. How important. So there are a lot of uh, wealth management gurus, financial mm-hmm. education gurus. Um, how important do you think it is? Well, how important do you think it is to either have the degree, but you're mm-hmm. saying that your degree didn't really 
Yeah. It doesn't really lean into what you're doing right now. Right. You have the experience, but there mm-hmm. are some people who kind of learned through like you yeah. and they learn through other people who are seeing it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about people in the space now that yeah. they don't really have direct experience, but they're yeah. receiving your information and applying it in real time? I think there's three levels. There's sharing, educating, and advising. Mm-hmm. Sharing is I'm, I'm, I'm learning this too. And I'm just inviting y'all in to see what's happening. Okay. I'm not don't I'm not co-signing anything. I'm trying it. It's, maybe it's working. Maybe it's not. But y'all, I'm inviting y'all into the process. That's sharing. That's what more people should do on the, on the internet. Yeah. Too many people are learning in real time and then trying to dub themselves as experts. I've been doing this for 12 years. I've done nothing else for 12 years outside of you know well the drip you know shopmelonandmoney.com. I see it. Um, but I've been doing this for 12 years. So the f- first thing is just share. Like hey look I'm I'm doing this. This is what's happening. Then there's educating. I've at least done it for myself and it's worked. I don't know, I don't know your personal situation or your personal situation, but it's worked for me. This is not the truth, but it's my truth. And I'm gonna educate you on how it worked for me. Advising is I've done it enough for enough people to where I know all the nuance and context to know well what happens in that scenario, what happens when COVID hits. That's not a real stock market. Like, like I've seen it happen enough to know how it can work for not just me and other people broadly, but multiple people on a specific level. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge is. People are trying to do the advising thing when they really should be the, doing the sharing thing. Sharing. Right? I say, hey, this is what works for me. You can try it out. Yeah. But what's the kind you mean? But I don't know, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the issue. But what I can say is I'm really excited that the conversation is happening. Because in 2012, when I was just starting to, like, come online and talk about this stuff, I mean, people looked at me like I was crazy. No one wanted to talk about money, right? And now you see the conversations happening so broadly, which is great. I love it. We're, in, we're literally in Atlanta right now for an event that's the largest financial literacy conference, right? So it's great to see. I think the challenge is we're talking about people's livelihoods. And sometimes when people see you online, they really revere you as an authority. They really revere you as an expert in what you say is gold. And yes, everybody should do their due diligence. We're all adults, but there's a responsibility on this side of the microphone, mm-hmm. right? And you got to give people the proper context and let them know like, hey, if you're going to explore this, here are the things that you need to understand for yourself versus just, coming out and saying like, yo, this is the play, so to speak. Yeah. I hate, I don't even like the word play. Yeah, I, What's the plan? Not the play. What's the, the plan? The plan. Run the, let's execute, execute the plan. Execute the plan. No more run the play. Right. I just, um, I had a, I had a guest on my show and that person enjoyed saying the run the play, the run the play, the run the play. Yeah. And it was happening so much that I'm like, so I know where it came from and it started yeah. in great intention. Right. 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 But, Sometimes when we have these slogans that, mm-hmm. you know, go viral, now we want to mm-hmm. use it and it's just play, 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 right, play. Right, right, right. And I had to say to that person on the episode, like, can we stop saying <laughs> run the play yeah, and actually yeah. what's the what's the Actual work, plan. what has yeah. to actually happen? Facts. Facts. But I love that so much. We just came up with something new. You said mm-hmm. plan. I said execute. Yep. <laughs> execute the plan. Execute the plan. Guys, we got to stop running plays and start executing the plans. But you because. touched on something and I don't want to skate over it because honestly, in full transparency, mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, I've. I've been in that position mm-hmm. where um, you can have conversations yep. in, at, at conferences. Yep. You can have them in webinar events. Mm-hmm. You can have mm-hmm. them even on podcasts. Yep. And, you know, you get the picture, you had the conversation. Yeah. And then later down the line, something happens mm-hmm. with that person that you were photographed with or that yeah. you had the, 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 the conversation with. And yeah. now you're in the hot seat. Yep. Yep. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, man. Um, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because it's like, 
and it's a lot of that going on right now. Like we can't, we can't, we can't ignore the fact that it's a lot of it going on right now. But, and my thing is, I think it's just like, you have to, whenever, again, being on this side of the microphone, you have to do your due diligence who is about, who, who about, huh? Who's, who us. Because okay, like us. Us. You, you're, you're saying like, as, as a person, you know, being connected to somebody and then coming to find out that somebody you were in a picture with or connected to. Or is, in an is, interview with. Or an interview with, <laughs> has been accused of scamming. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that the earliest thing to do is like to call a spade a spade as early as possible, especially if you if you if you tr have followers and people that like you respect and that you and that trust you. Right. Like mm -hmm. you go to that person privately first. Like, yo, my, my guy, my girl, like, is this what's the deal? You know what I'm saying? And if they start shuffling and you don't feel like I feel like you got to call it out immediately because then that will start to dis disassociate you from it. I think if you try to delete the episode or delete the pictures, like, okay, cool. But like, I was confident enough to sit on the same side of the table with you to take the picture with you, whatever. If I have an audience that, well, I'll say this, the trust of one leads to the acceptance of many. Right. So a lot of people might trust Donnie Wiggins, which leads to the acceptance of George coming onto the podcast, which leads to the acceptance of everybody else that you have as guests. And if there is if it is known that that guest or person is not who they post to be, I think we do have a responsibility to, to clarify that. Yeah. I 100 percent agree with you and I agree with you. Um, and, and in light of new information, I agree yeah. with you on a whole other level. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have um, I'm, I'm a part of I'm a part of two shows yeah. and we've had a lot of guests between yep. the two shows. Mm -hmm. The problem or not even the problem, while I do agree with you, the issue is. So let's talk about the due diligence. Yep. Right. And I don't want this episode to be completely based on this, sure. but we you open the can of worms. Hey, so look, we're here now. <laughs> we're here now. We here now. So a couple of things. Sometimes. Um, new information comes about after you've already released the episode, yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also a responsibility to make sure you have all the information. That, that's a fact. You can't just say... Jump to conclusions. You can't yeah. just jump to the conclusion, right? Yeah, I agree. Like, I have had people say bad things about me. Mm -hmm. You've had people say bad things about you. Yep. I don't know a single person that hadn't had somebody say bad things. Facts. And... We've also seen people be heavily scrutinized that mm -hmm. later, after all of the smoke clears, right. they shouldn't have been. Yeah. We've also seen people heavily scrutinized that later, after the smoke clears, they absolutely and it was worse. should have been. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was worse yeah. than, than what we thought. So what I love to do, especially on this platform, part mm -hmm. of the reason that I created it is I don't advocate for you, for them, right. for anybody. Right. right? The truth of the matter is I don't know what goes on behind the scenes of your business. Nobody does. I don't right. know how you're servicing your customers. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, right. outside of what you and I have done, the mm -hmm. results that you're getting for other people. Right. And this is a conversation mm -hmm. that we're having. I invite people to get to know you. Right. And kind of <clears throat> do their own due diligence. Now, mm -hmm. I push. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, oh, trust me. We know. I'm a pusher. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to push you when yeah. I hear that. I don't know. Tell me more. Elaborate. Right. That doesn't sound right. Right. But I can't see myself coming back and saying, George is this. Facts. Because people said that you wronged them. Yeah. We have to, like, at what point, what's the fine line? Like, at what point does it yeah. become, we know factually, mm -hmm. or there's a whole lot of allegations, and now I need to say something? Um. Well, the first thing I think, too, is, like, if someone, like, 
if someone goes on CNBC, they, you know, there's people, you know, who get advocated for, and it comes out that they're scammers at a much higher level, you know, billionaires, right? CNBC doesn't come back out and typically do a retraction or redact, you know what I'm saying? So I think, right. I, I don't think that there should be this pressure or expectation, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, like you said, it's new information. When the facts change, so do I. But when I had the facts, you seemed like a person that it was at least reasonable to have on my platform. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I think the, I think where the line is drawn is, to your point, I don't think there needs to be a think piece or like a, 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 a situation where you're like having a public forum to like, yeah. you know what I'm saying, a, uh, to take the person down. But I think that like if, if there was anything that was directly tied to your platform where someone like opted into something like which is what good that you don't do that. I don't I think don't you would have it. that issue. Yeah. But if you do that, and you're saying, hey, I join this person's course or join this person's mastermind. I think at that point, something has to be said. I don't think it has to be like anything crazier out of the normal. Just say, hey, you might have seen some recent events about such and such person. Um, I'm just letting you know that the full transparency podcast as you know, we do not advocate for anybody. Uh, we just provide a, a safe space for people to share. Yeah. If you have been wrong, take it up directly with, you know, it's not my fault. So to and speak. that's you one of I mean? the reasons why, because I have seen it. Um, that's why one of the reasons why on this particular platform, yeah. I don't, there's, there's no hard sales, right? Yeah. You're not going to come here mm -hmm. and like buy his course, buy his course. That's right. not going to happen here right. just because you just don't you just never know. know right um and yeah. that's that i enjoy bringing guests on just to share information and have conversations mm -hmm. like the whole thought process for me is like hell i'm getting to know you just like everybody else is getting to know Facts. you we're having the same conversation like mm -hmm. if you said hey donnie i'm in town let's have lunch yeah this is the conversation that we will be having and yep. uh, and i keep it this way i want yeah. people to learn new information about new industries the way mm -hmm. things are being done yeah without the pressure of feeling like what if in two years George goes out and does something? Now I have to retract something yeah, yeah, from two yeah. years ago. Right, right, right. That's just you know, and I and I think that there's a there's a movement for that. Mm -hmm. It's just not mine. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I think nobody is above scrutiny. Um, I do think, like to your point, a lot some of it's bandwagon. So I think some of it's is like it's like the financial literacy and entrepreneurship shade room. It's like, ooh, I found a lane of people like drama and I'm going to own that lane. You know what I'm saying? So I, for me, it's like uh, time will promote or expose you. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to be the person that's like, I, I've, I've been aware of stuff since 2018, 2019. People have come to me privately. Like, what do you think about this? Cause I'm, you know, wh wh who I am in the space. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be involved in it, but I'm not, gonna, I'm also not going to say anything publicly about it because it's not my, it's not my place to do so. Yeah. Time will promote or expose you. Like and if, there's a difference between you and I having a private conversation and saying what we think about certain right. things and us going on to our large platform right. where we have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and saying, yep. you know, now because this is a business mm -hmm. that we're running, there's right. different liabilities. It's a fact. Saying, Slander and, you know, mm -hmm. all, all sorts of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like at the end of the day, we are all, we all are adults, whether you're the consumer or the creator. And we all have to accept responsibility for what we consume and what we create. Right. On, on both ends. It, for sure. I will say, though, in full transparency, there are some people that I'm so happy are uh, information is, is coming to the light. For sure. Um, people who are being very intentional yeah. about causing financial harm. Yep. Um, and I don't I don't I will say that I don't believe that there are. Well, of the people that I've seen, mm -hmm. in, you know, 
Yeah. I don't think that everybody is intentionally right. causing financial harm, but right. there are some people that are oh, for sure. that have absolutely intentionally caused financial harm. I got some and, thoughts on that too. Yeah. So like, well, no, well, first there, there's intent versus impact, right? A lot of times people don't intend to do harm, but it, it doesn't negate the impact, right? So we have to understand that. We have to acknowledge that. But specifically related to people who have been accused of scamming, to your point, I don't think everybody had that intent. I think what happens is, like, let's be honest, we're, we're new money, right? New you know money. what I'm saying? Like, we are, I think I've heard you say it before, like, we are, this is all, our parents didn't have it, right? A lot of us are retiring our parents or doing, so, like, this is new for us. And so I think what happens is people get into something and they don't know all the facts. Like, even me right now, I'm being stretched as a leader because my team is growing and I'm used to, like, if I pay you, I'm used to being able to talk to everybody. But now I have leadership leaders under me and they're like, you're stepping on my toes. I'm like, well, I'm writing all y'all checks. You know what I'm saying? Like, but so, so I get it. Like I'm learning how to build an empire. And so I said, that to say, I think what happens is people get in the middle of something and like, Oh shit, they have an Oh shit moment. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And instead of being trans fully transparent about that, they try to figure it out. Right. Instead of saying, Hey, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. We need to bring people in. I think that will happen. That's what happens. And they get, and it just gets too far gone. And before you know it, it turns into this, this illusion of scamming or full, full or whatever you want to call it, because now you just don't know what you're doing. You're just fumbling the bag. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's more of that than it is. Oh, yo, these people are naive and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a field day with them. You know sure. what I'm saying? It's like, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't, you have, you don't, you have too much ego to say that. Yeah. And now it's That's like, it. it's, the ego, it's the ego, George. It's, it's the, the ego. ego that says, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. And you see me as the man, or you see me as that, that, that girl, that woman, yep. And I can't expose a flaw. Yep. I think that's one of I think that's one of my secret weapons yeah. is that I am consistently exposing my own flaws. Like if yeah. I don't know, I'm not gonna pretend right. like I do. That's why I love this podcast so yeah. much because I get to be curious Donnie, mm -hmm. asking questions, not yep. knowing. I don't right. have to be the business expert in yep. this. Like I don't know everything. There isn't yeah. even about business. I don't know everything. That's why right. I specifically focus in on, on this lane. Mm -hmm. And if more people owned right the phrase i don't know i don't know I it's so help. liberating when, when i first started entrepreneurship i wanted to be like right i wanted to know everything because i felt like it detracted from my credibility if i said i didn't know something then i got in this room this older white guy he was i mean he had to be i mean he's definitely the richest guy in that room i don't know how what his net worth was but they were going over this advanced concept and all the new people were just like sitting there quiet nobody wanted to say that they didn't know what was going on He's like, hold on, I'm not following. Can you, like, can you run it back? Like, this is this is, this is going over my head. Everybody looked around like, wait, so if he can ask the question and he has the most money in the room, why are we trying to act like we know it all? Yes. Right? We're literally shooting ourselves in the foot. And the other thing, too, is like when you act like you have it all figured out, you rob yourself of the opportunity of your own evolution. Mm -hmm. Right? Because here's the thing. If, if, if you fake in the funk or fake until you make it and everybody thinks you're already six-figure earner, already thinks you're a seven-figure earner, when you actually become one, you can't celebrate. Because mm. you've been faking the funk the whole time. You are, you already been stunting like you had it. You can't even celebrate. Yeah. So it's just like live out. It's a reason why people resonate so much with a person like a Cardi B yeah. or like these artists who are just like they start out and they're just like literally figuring it out because you get to see the evolution of the come up versus it being like, I'm so well put together. I have it all figured out. Like in people who don't know me in real life, they might think that that might be the energy that I give out. But I'm the first person to tell you. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And if I don't know something, guess what I'm going to say? I don't know. I'm going to hire help. for it. I just hired a new executive leadership coach. Like, I, I literally just 
pay the invoice because I realized I saw I saw a weak spot. I was like, okay. Hey, hey, CEO Donnie Wiggins here, and I am so excited to announce my new mentorship group is dropping. You may have already heard about it, but I wanted to, I wanted you to hear it from the horse's mouth directly from me. My new mentorship group, Actionable CEO, for entrepreneurs who are interested in professional growth, personal growth, and financial growth. You want to learn from me. Y'all have been asking for this for the last three years, and I have finally brought Actionable CEO back to serve you every single week, direct mentorship from me. You will also hear from other people who are in my community that I believe will be greatly impactful to you. You're going to get behind the scenes. We're going to be spending some time together live. This is not pre-recorded. This is live mentorship. So if you are an entrepreneur and you want to be connected, feel connected, you want to elevate your brand, you want to elevate your life, you want to elevate your level of success, Actionable CEO is for you. ActionableCEO.com. See you there. The business is growing. Mm -hmm. There's things that I don't know about leadership, not about finance and money, but about yeah. leadership. Yeah. I need to fill this gap. What was the investment like for you to hire this executive leadership coach? How much was it or what do you mean? How much was it? 150000 150000 yeah. what And uh, what are the deliverables like? How are they helping you? Yeah, so the biggest thing is like, as you grow, like the bigger you grow your company, if you're not careful, you'll create a cage for yourself, right? So the biggest thing is creating the infrastructure on succession planning, how to retain top talent, um, you know, uh, exit planning, right? Because the succession planning is transitioning leadership. Exit planning is what happens when you sell the company. So like those types of things, so I'm really putting in the pieces in place of like truly being a CEO so that I can eventually step down and be a chairman of the board. Um, it's just really teaching me what it looks like to do that. Um, what's the other thing? Um, not ta not talent development, but uh, uh, performance reviews okay. and how to truly do that. Because we all, if you've ever been to corporate America, you know how that goes. So I'm like, yeah. did you do the job or not? Is what, you know, what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? Um, but like that type of thing to truly measure in success, diving deeper on KPIs, mm -hmm. that type of thing. I love that. Yeah. So $150,000, is this the largest investment that you've ever made in hiring a coach? A coach, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What made you say, like, was this like a 150, let me think about it, come back to you? Or was it like, this is an no, I knew, I knew I knew I needed to do it. Because one of the things I've learned is that you want to make, you I, you want to make decisions as you're getting around the corner, like not when it's too, not when you're, the house is already on fire, mm. right? So right now it's like, I could see it as a vulnerability, mm -hmm. and but it's not a problem per se. It's just like, it's, I'm uncomfortable, right? And so, so I felt like it was the time to make the decision now before I'm like scrambling, like, Oh my gosh, like my team, somebody, my team left. She's my a player. What am I going to do? I got to start doing work again. Like I knew that it was time to proactively make the decision. So it was a, it was a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, I had to vet the person out and make sure it was 150. but as far as like, once I knew who they were, who they were, it was, it was a no brainer. What was your process for vetting this person out? Reverse engineering who they've served and reaching out to them directly. Oh, say that one more time. Figure, figure. I, need, I need you to look in that camera <laughs> right there and say that one more time. Reverse engineering who they've actually served mm -hmm. and then reaching out to them directly and asking mm -hmm. them about their experience. Yeah. Not not the website testimonials, which are cool, right? Um, not what they say about their brand. Because what you say about your brand is, pro is, is propaganda. What somebody else says about it is the gospel, right? And so I needed to find out who have you actually helped at a high level? Mm -hmm. What are they saying about you? Mm -hmm. And I got all good reviews. So I felt confident. And then you move forward. Move forward. How yeah. long is that relationship? How long at, at that at that level of investment? Six months. Yo. Yeah, so I said too. I, I like I, I got I got enough value from the process of being sold 
to make my money back. I put it like that. You know, you, you know how it is. Like when you can funnel hack. I was like, oh, this is smooth. This is po this is poetry in motion. Thank you. Like I got enough value from that to know I I'm gonna use this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But yeah, it was because here's the thing: when you're at a high level, you don't want to be immersed in courses and information overload. Like we have this myth of throwing the kitchen sink at people when we have a big investment. But high level people, they want they want to be optimized. They want like this little tweak, this little tweak. They already don't have the time. They don't want to be swimming in information. Mm -hmm. Right. So so for me, like I'm always looking for how can I invest at the highest level to get the access? Because I don't want the course. I want access to the source. Mm. Right. Because they're going to give me that those tweaks, those fine tunes that I need, because if they've been doing if, if you're a hundred million dollar business, surely you can help me go to the next level. Sure. Right. And so it's like, I know that 150 pales in comparison to what I'm going to gain and what I'm going to learn to be able to optimize my own business. So you have to just look at everything in terms of ROI, like even with masterminds and stuff like that, like stop trying to get all the value from the leader of the mastermind. Like ask yourself, why am I picking this person in the first place? What do I need to get out of this? And then, then, then network across. It's like, well, who else is crazy enough to make this investment with me? And maybe that's my co-investor. Maybe that's my accountability partner. Maybe that's my future business partner versus trying to get so close to the person that's leading the thing, right? You, you, that's table stakes. Of course, you expect to get something from them, but what can you get out of it based upon what you need? Mm. And I go into it with that mindset. And once I know what I need, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get that. I'm getting it. For sure. Yeah. I always make I always make it a point to identify um, one thing mm -hmm. because oftentimes you just need one thing. Just one thing. Whether it is the course or the conversation yeah. or the mastermind or mm -hmm. the coaching, um, I have invested at a very high level financially. Yep. And let's say 12-month programs. Yeah. And after the third month, I'm out. Got what you need. Because I got what I needed. I got right. that aha moment for me, mm -hmm. right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. I got what I needed, and it, it puts me in a position to earn or have already earned right. that investment back. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about um, high-level investments, right now, coaching is so popular, it's trendy, yeah, right. right? And I'm afraid that people are hiring coaches because they hear you say you have a coach. Mm -hmm. I say I have a coach. This right. person has a coach. That right. person has a coach. Right. And you don't really know how to maximize. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is still really um, a space for people to start doing some learning kind of huh. on their own. Oh, big facts. Like commit to, commit to helping yourself first. Yep. Improving to yourself first mm -hmm. that you can stay dedicated to something long enough yep. to help yourself get some results. Yeah, that's and, key. And then, you know, move into different spaces. You mentioned that high level people don't want the courses and the. Talk to me about, like, how do you know when you're ready, when you can call yourself a high level entrepreneur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you can call yourself a high level entrepreneur when, number one, you gotta have some level of team, right? Like, like it amazes me that people think they're high level entrepreneurs and it's like, you just run a, a one man shop. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like you have to have some level of team is the first prerequisite I would say. Check. Okay. I got that. Keep going. <laughs> the second prerequisite is I think that, well, number one, you're, you're into, maybe this supersedes the other one, but ha having the right entity structure, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're still commingling funds and no, you're not a high level entrepreneur. Okay. Right? We just stopped that like two years ago. Check. Check. <laughs> um, and then I think that you have to understand the difference between your identity and your role, right? Mm -hmm. So your role in life, you're, you're, you're a mom, right? You're a daughter, you're an entrepreneur, like you have all these hats but it's not tied to your identity. So for me, what I had to unravel is I am known as this great financial advisor and, you know, top 100 advisor in the nation two years in a row and Forbes contributor, et cetera. Right. So that, that became a part of my identity. 
right? And and then when I started to have to shift from advisor solely to CEO, I kind of got lost in that because I was like, no, I'm the guy. I have to be the one doing the advisory work. Otherwise, I'm not who I am. Yeah. So you have to get to a place as a high-level entrepreneur where you know that your impact isn't rooted in the practition of what you do and your impact is more rooted in overseeing this enterprise that you're building, which is a totally different. You can be a great practitioner and a terrible CEO, mm. right? Like it's, they're not mutually exclusive. So once you make the shift from practitioner to CEO, I think that's when you can consider yourself a high level entrepreneur. I love that, George. Yeah. I love that a whole lot. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, what you do with your own money. So yeah. one of the things that I find so interesting mm -hmm. And I don't know that interesting, interesting is my placeholder word Yeah. because we have a lot of people who give this information. Mm -hmm. Like we have coaches who mm -hmm. as a part of their marketing strategy say, you need a coach, you need yeah, a coach, yeah, yeah. you need a coach. Yeah. <laughs> They've never been coached. Right. 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 We have uh, financial educators or, or credit, Talk about it. credit. We have credit gurus yeah, who are like, yeah. I can fix your credit. I can fix your credit, but. Your credit is trifling, Woo. right? Like I can get you in the seven hundred club, but you, you had a six forty, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. explain yourself, right? Right. So then we have these financial gurus who are giving all this information out about mm. you know these vehicles that you can write off, this that you can do, that that you can do, mm -hmm. and let's talk about your practices. I want can, can we dig into your business? Abs absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So for every let's say ten thousand dollars in revenue that you bring into your company, yep. that the company earns. Mm -hmm. How do you allocate or disperse those funds? Yeah, good question. So so the first thing is, obviously, I'm looking at my base recurring expenses, right? Like, what are those? Like, what are the things that I already have to, I call them 30-day money, right? Like, I've already pre-committed my payroll. I've already pre-committed the software, the systems, whatever, right? So I got to make sure that my operating reserves is is good, in good standing. So let's say about 30% of my money always is going to get allocated towards operating reserves. Okay. 10% of my money is going to get allocated towards profit. Right. Because basically what happens with most entrepreneurs is they make up all this money. Mm -hmm. They swipe the card because they tell somebody, tells them, shout out to Carter. <laughs> nah, but they tell him to write everything out. But he does it the right way. I'm not, no shade. That's my business partner. Yeah, Carter be having me on Instagram <laughs> like, wait, that's a line yeah. item. Underline that. We're writing that off. Big, big facts. <laughs> and so they think they, they want to write everything off. And, and so they're just now justifying stuff that probably shouldn't even be justified. And so they look at the end of the year and it's like, wait, not only do I not really have a profit, I don't have... I'm at a loss, right? So when you plan for profit on the front end, you're basically at least guaranteeing that your business is profitable, right? You're setting that side, that money aside, similar to the pay yourself method on personal finance, right? Mm -hmm. So 10% there. Now, I don't do the owner's pay thing that is taught in the profit first because my income is stabilized. If I did the owner's pay thing, then I would be paying myself way too much. I had, I'd have to keep adjusting the percentage, right, based upon the money that's flowing into the business okay, account. Okay, well, wait, hold on. You don't do... So that's, for those who are not familiar, the profit first model, mm -hmm. right? You have the different buckets, right? And one of those buckets is owner's pay. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I don't do that, do it in a, on a percentage basis, I pay myself as an employee of the company, right? So I don't allocate 30% or 20% to myself, right? That just goes into operating reserves. And then at the end of the year, I can take out a distribution um, if I want to, right? Because I just stay, I pay myself, you know, a regular salary, that just comes out of my operating account. So I'm looking, um, because I can never remember these numbers, I follow profit first. Yeah. And then I pay myself 15% of revenue. Mm -hmm. 
but you're suggesting, so you said that your income is stabilized. Yep. I thought my income was stabilized by paying myself 15% of revenue, and it, and it has, it obviously is a different number. Right, right, right. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's tomato, tomato, okay. but I'm, I guess what I'm saying, so if you have, let's say if you, you start out, you're making $50,000 a month, you're paying yourself 15%. So then you make $100,000 a month, you're paying mm-hmm. yourself 15%. Then you make a million dollars a month. Like, you see, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, so to your I point. I want my 15%. 215%. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I don't think that's wrong. I think that I, the way I look at it is, I'll just look at it at the end of the year. Okay, well, now with this extra pot of money besides my owner's pay from a salary standpoint, what do I want to do with it versus gotcha. incrementally getting it? Because for me, it just it just helps me out. It helps me now anchor my lifestyle off a single number versus being like, oh, this month, we going crazy. We going, we going crazy this month. Penthouse. You know what I'm saying? Vibes. Vibes. High rise. You know what I'm saying? PJ. PJ. All of that. Today. Right now. Up the street. Yesterday. No reason. You already know. Pictures and content. Rolly. Let's get it. Let's get it. Mm. So- <laughs> we could have did that for another 10 minutes. We could have did. We could have kept going. So basically you're saying in layman's terms, you follow the Profit First model for anybody who is unfamiliar with mm-hmm. that, buy the book Profit First. What's yeah. the guy's name? Do you remember? What's his name? Not, not top of my head. Okay, yeah. it's called Profit First. Yeah. I think there's only one. There's only one. There's only one. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to payroll allocation, basically mm-hmm. you have just said, I will pay myself, let's just say $200,000 a year, mm-hmm. and you're paying yourself that regardless of revenue yep. that comes And, and there's also a tax advantage to doing that too, right? So I mean, we hear a lot of people about the strategies and the S-Corps and all that. But once you start making a certain money, like you still have to pay yourself a fair and reasonable wage, right? Like on salary. Mm-hmm. And so the maximum salary, I mean, the maximum, the benefit maxes out at like 150000 right? So it's like, okay, well, if you're not making as much money, then you can pay yourself a lower salary and then take dividends or distributions from the company, which will be taxed less than ordinary income. So there's also an advantage there. It's like, okay, well, if I only need to pay myself 50, why would I put all of this through payroll when I can, you know, take some of it through like a dividend, right? Which is going to be taxed less. When did you stop commingling your personal money and your business money? So this is 2023, like fully honest, fully transparent. Probably 2016. 2016. Yeah. It was the hardest thing. Yeah. So when I was, and I know a lot of people are dealing with this, so I feel like it's important to talk about because my mindset was, that's what I pay a bookkeeper for. Right. That's what I pay, you know, a CPA for or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like just swipe this card left and right and you go and figure it out. Right. And that worked for me Mm -hmm. at like. A hundred thousand. Right. It worked for me, honestly, up until about five hundred ish thousand dollars in revenue. And then it becomes so overwhelming. Nightmare. To properly recategorize Mm -hmm. these expenses, these debits, these credits. It becomes a nightmare. Yeah. And I have been like Mm. Shout out to Anna. <laughs> yeah, are you work with Anna? Yes. Oh no. Yo, no. Anna, Anna probably don't want to work with me ever again. That's funny. Yeah. Um, when she had to do my 2020 books. Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> it's stuff everywhere because yeah. you know we got we got COVID, we got this. You don't mm-hmm. know what's going on, and yeah. you're not thinking straight, and it's just money. And it took me six months to reconcile that. to reconcile all those. Yeah. Swipes yeah. to reconcile every like, what's this wire transfer for? Mm-hmm. What's this Zell for? Mm-hmm. And do yourself a favor, even if your business is only generating like fifty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. or less. If your business is generating money, separate your business expenses Please. from your personal expenses immediately. 
that's the best way to provide the most accurate mm-hmm. uh, income statements to the IRS. The best way to provide the most accurate income statements is to do it right the first time. Yes, 100%. And also try to minimize the ways in which you collect money. Mm. Right? Like, I, I know some people will tell you, do it all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hustle. Get get the cash. Get it from Cash App. Get it from PayPal. But all of that makes it a nightmare to yeah. reconcile. Like, oh, I got this over here. I got this over here. Like, try your best to simplify how you collect money. Because one of the biggest things to scale in business is, like, it has to be streamlined. Like, you can't, I can't go and walk in Chick-fil-A and ask for a burger. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can't scale if y'all have all these one-off scenarios. Right? Yeah. In order to scale, it has to be simple and it ha- well. It doesn't have to be simple, but it has to be streamlined. Yeah. Right? Because I know I'm thinking about some of our, our Zapier connection. I'm like, it ain't nothing simple about that. But it has to be streamlined. Yeah. Right? And so when you have all these different ways that you're collecting money and all these different one-off products and services, well, this person will let pay me a little bit more, so I'm going to do this for them. Like, it's impossible to scale. Mm-hmm. You have to put the right systems and processes in place that anybody can step in mm-hmm. and be able to do your job. Because yeah. if not, right, like, you'll never be able to build a business that you own. You'll always have to be in the weeds of it. No one else can step in. Nobody else can step in. Mm. You know what I love so much? I love how our conversation has evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we're a part of the same, like, high school class. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I remember, you know, um, being back. Like, I just thought you were a really cool guy yeah. who knew stuff about yeah. money. And mm-hmm. I was interested in that conversation. Yeah. And we ran in some of the same circles, but mm-hmm. we didn't meet, you know, originally. Right. right. And I feel like I have literally watched your come up. As you probably. Likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I first, when you first came across my timeline, yeah. um, you were already doing your thing. Mm-hmm. You were already successful in your own right, mm-hmm. but you weren't this successful, Correct. right? Yeah. I have literally seen your come up over the last <laughs> five, six years, yeah. and it has been nothing short of amazing. Thank you. But what was the thing? What was the switch? What, what took George from... Six-figure earner yeah. who every single day you're waking up and eating what you kill because there was a yeah. moment where yeah. every single day it's like... 100%. Hey, look, we got to get it. Feed. We got to get it. We got to get it. Yeah, 100%. There, there's that moment yeah. where... And that's where I intercepted you. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy knows his stuff, but clearly he's building his business. Right. And now it's like seven-figure George, mm-hmm. multiple seven-figure George, mm-hmm. where... You're dressing a little differently. <laughs> Your temperament is a little different yeah. because you were. Yeah. Got to get it. Got to get, get it. Got to yeah. get it. And now it's facts. like, relax, everybody. Relax. Yeah. We'll get it. From a high level perspective. Inside joke. From a high level. <laughs> listen, everything with you is. Listen, guys, from a high level perspective, I hated being in leadership. Me- oh, I, hate, I love being in leadership meetings with you. But when it came to George having to explain anything, because my mind is so detailed. (laughs) My mind is like so detailed. George would say something and I'd be like, well, George, break that down. Well, from a high level perspective, (laughs) and he'd go into all of this insider language, right? And George, when he's out of a conversation, he's going to bullshit you. He's going to <laughs> he's going to talk and talk because he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Like right. Donnie, nobody has time for your details, right? I remember being in the airport on the way to Chicago, talking to y'all asses <laughs> for two hours. I was with Britain. He was like, "Yo, bro, we about to board a flight." I was like, "You who you telling? Why are we on this? Why are we in this damn meeting on a Friday afternoon?" <laughs> because I because my KPIs and my analytics have to match, right? And so George is completely out of this conversation, and he's giving these. Very, very high level yet surface conversation. And I remember one time I said, George, well, can you give it to me on a low level? <laughs> and it's I just, that. it's yeah. been our inside joke. Um, and I catch myself, I always think of you when I tell people yeah. like, 
Well, on a high level, mm-mm, Donnie, don't highlight, don't high level these people. Do That's not high funny. level these people. But That's funny. What, what was the you, switch? When was the switch? Yes. What was the switch? Ah, man, now you're taking me back. All right, cool. Let me think about it. Um, I think it was because we met in what 2019. We met formally in 2018. Formally, formally 2018. Mm-hmm. I want to say it started in 2017. It started. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the moment. But I'm getting somewhere. So in 2017, I was feeling good. I got my new little office at WeWork. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I was, you know I was, when you get that office you, you, that you legit, you official. You legit. You official. You got an address. Co- corner office, you know what I'm saying? Space, corner square. Little window. You know what I'm saying? And they know and, um, your name when you walk in. And they in. know your name. Yes. And so I got that, and I was I was getting new clients. Everything was going well. And I was like, I'm going to be the, the Netflix of financial services. You know what I'm saying? Be the Netflix of financial services. And because um, I was going to have an affordable, low-ticket model, right? <laughs> service, though. Not, not, not access to education information like we know now. Yes. Sir, I was going to be somebody's advisor for $150 a month. And that was the big, that was the big dog fee. Not $150. $150. That was a, a month. That was yeah. the big dog fee. The entry level was like $49. Mm-hmm. And so I think I got up to like, which is a good fee, like 60 ish I started doing the math. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> How many of these people am I going to have to help at this level to build it, because mind you, I gotta have a team. I gotta have somebody to help. Just helping me out, and it started to click for me. Like this, this ain't it. This is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to like started to zoom out and started to realize like, okay, I needed. I want. I want to still have impact at scale because the only reason why I was charging that much, well, one, because I was still had involved as an entrepreneur, okay. but also I wanted to help as many people as possible, right? So I, and I thought that was the medium, but I'll say fast forward to about 2020 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um. I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not absolved from, from what's happening. No one knows how their business is going to go. And I was like, I need to really build this thing out in a way that's super sustainable. And I realized who my ideal client was. And I realized that I needed to focus on charging based upon where they were in business and not necessarily how much assets they had. Cause in our industry, typically it's like, you go and find somebody who has a quarter million or a million dollars in assets, and that's how you determine their, their client. But a lot of us are were becoming successful as entrepreneurs and making more money, but they didn't necessarily have the assets. So I could justify my fee based upon the value that I provided to them from a financial planning perspective, but I knew they didn't have the assets. So when I made that switch and had this value-based pricing model, everything changed. Um, and I was able to charge my worth, if you will, and really build out a business that could actually make sense and be more sustainable. And then on the back side of that, here's a tip. Mm-hmm. When you have a low audience or when I say low audience, I mean not a lot of people following you or you're not who you, who you are yet. Don't do low ticket, do low ticket. When you have people, when you have droves of people to serve, you have the 50,000 email list, you have 70,000 followers on Instagram. Like you have a huge YouTube following. That's when you do low ticket. If you try to do low ticket, as you're starting out, it's going to be a very hard hill to climb. Yeah. So now on the back end, after having this very high valued uh, service model, I can then have a low ticket subscription membership that's now infinitely scalable in addition to my firm. And so I was able to just kind of understand how business worked, have much higher profit margins, be able to take that money to reinvest to build a business that scales. Because first it's you got to make you money, right? You got to become a person of value. Then you got to build a scalable, scalable business where people or systems make you money. And then last but not least, what everybody comes to me for, then you want your money to make you money. Yeah. So that was a moment for me. I was just like, yeah, this is, this is not sustainable. I have to identify how to pos- position my services in a way where it will attract the Donnie Wiggins of the world or the people, entrepreneurs who are successful and want to 
delegate or at least collaborate on building wealth outside of their business. Cause they were already making money, multiple six figures, seven figures, but it was just like, I want to turn business profits into wealth. And that was a conversation that people were willing to have for a nice price. For a nice price. Yeah. So I want to get in your business just a little bit. Yeah. So you've got these low tickets, these mid tickets, these high tickets. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the business structure. Like what yeah. is the low ticket? How much is that? And then what does it look like from a high ticket perspective? And yep. what are you doing there? 100%. So I, I learned this, this quote and it says, ascension leads to retention. Ascension leads to retention. Right. The reason why uh, Mercedes started making the Maybach is because it got tired of sending their customers to Rolls Royce, right? So what I realized is if I want to serve everybody, I got to meet them where they are and solve a, a specific problem based upon where they are. So here's how, here's the journey, the customer value journey. So our, lo our lowest barrier to entry outside of the free podcast, mm -hmm. shout out to the Mel and the Money Show, shout is our proof and profit proof and we didn't even really debrief we did we, we did a whole tour we got we did a we whole, did a whole tour. tour we're gonna come to that let's we're gonna talk about yes that. we'll come to that yeah all right so so first uh the first entry point is 99 dollars a month okay. right and it is a financial social network called the melanin millionaires club and that's the membership level okay the way you want to think about this is like if you were to go to a college campus right even if you didn't pick a major even if you weren't going to classes if you were hanging out in the atrium if you were just in the environment right you're gonna pick up some gems right mm -hmm. You're going to learn some things that are going to help move the needle for you. And so it's a very low barrier to entry uh, access. And we have on-demand classes, over 100 past recordings on personal finance, wealth building, entrepreneurship. We have an on-demand money coach that you can actually DM. Like, yo, I just got this bonus at work. What should I do? Um, so it's like it's an entry point to access because my thing is the reason why I started with that low ticket on the advisory side before I knew better is I wanted to help people. Like, I couldn't say I'm for the people or having this mission and they, and they can't access me. Right. So that's what the $99 tier is for. Okay. Then from there, it's like, okay, well I need to become a person of value. Like I need to be making multiple six figures. Like I need to refine my high income skill set so I can have enough money to build well. So the next tier is our mentorship tier. Right. The mentorship tier outside of the foundations of wealth. The number one objective is how can we get you to earning multiple six figures? Now, here's the here's the thing. Anything I give out about making money or business coaching is a by the way thing. I, I, I'm focused. I'm the, the finance and money guy. But it just so happens that I built a, fine, a business by being this person. So I'm giving the, enough information for anybody to take the framework in whatever industry they choose to be able to make more money because the entire economy is based upon three factors, the buyer, the builder, and the broker. Mm -hmm. Somebody can make something, somebody wants to buy something, and there's something or someone in the middle who connects both people. Okay. If you can understand that, you can go in almost any industry and make money. Graphic design. I, if I knew nothing about graphic design, I could go on Fiverr.com, find somebody with five-star reviews who's charging $50 for graphics, right? Learn how to position myself from Donnie Wiggins, charge probably $500 for that, never touch a graphic design, and now have a graphic design business, right? So as long as you understand that buyer, broker, builder model, anybody can get to at least their first six figures. I don't care if you know nothing about business, right? Anybody can get to their first six figures. So our goal is I'm, I want to give you that framework. I'm not, your, I'm not your business coach, but I'm going to give you that framework so that you can duplicate that in whatever path you want to take. So now you have some extra reserves to be able to save, invest, to build wealth, right? Now, once you get past that multiple six figures or that first six figures, what's your next problem? Well, shoot, it's just me. I'm a bottleneck. So now you have to uh, build a machine that will help you uh, scale, right? And that's through people or systems. And so that's our masterminds here. It's like, okay, I've, I've gotten past the first six figures. Now, how do I get from that to my first one million, mm -hmm. right? You got to have people. You got to have systems. You got to have operational structure, right? Um, you got to have team. So we're teaching those things 
so that you can also, again, the whole purpose, it all anchors back into building wealth. Because if you can get that right, you'll be profitable enough to allocate more money to save and invest and build wealth. Right. Then once you get past the, the million dollar threshold, it's the last tier. It's invite only. It's our mogul tier. So membership, mentorship, mastermind, mogul. And the whole purpose of this is people who are at that phase where it's like, I got a team. I'm making seven figures. But I spent so much of my career focused on building the business. Now I got to focus on building wealth. I got the money. I just I don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. And now I want to turn my business into an asset that I own. And so that's that's and that's more of a peer mastermind. They they probably are making just as much um, as me. Maybe some of them, maybe even a little bit more. But I just know what I know about the wealth building piece, and we're helping them get solidified on that. And from our mentorship mastermind tier and above, we actually include the cost of a trust will and estate plan. Mm. We include the cost of working with our risk management and life insurance team to make sure that you have the proper structure. I include my flagship portfolio strategy. So we're not selling secrets. We got services. I think that's the problem with some masterminds. It's just like, it's just all, it's all sauce, but no meat. You know what I'm saying? Like, where's the, like, like we got served. Like I took the best of both worlds by leveraging my firm as an implementation arm while still providing the high level information. And the beautiful part about it is I don't teach all the time. Like I'm the library, excuse me, I'm the librarian, not the library, right? My clients and my mentees trust me to either know something or at the very least know someone. And point them in the right way. You go to the library, you ask the librarian about the book. She might not have read every single book in the library, she know where it's at. but she knows where it's at. She knows where it's and that at. goes back to what you said, full circle moment of knowing what I do and being okay. So, oh, I don't know that, but I know somebody who does. Yeah. Person be like, yeah, I'm going to get back. Yeah, for sure. I just did it last week. And I'm now trying to Google something that I haven't done. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure enough in myself and who I am as a man, who I am as an entrepreneur, that I'm good with what I've done. I don't have to know everything. Yeah. And, you know, that's we've literally built contributed to each other's wealth in that way. Right. Um, I know that many of my business coaching clients have yeah. come over to you guys as yep. firm to shout out to the heart Zogs. shout out to the heart Zogs. shout out to mobile home. Elite. Oh yeah. I, yep. yep. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I didn't send some people over hey, there. We you appreciate I mean? you. We appreciate I you. I sent some people over there and the, uh, the results are, or the res not even the results, but the feedback Mm -hmm. has been a resounding yes, like yeah. gratitude. They're thankful. So yeah. I feel good about continuing to send we appreciate um, my higher level clients over your way so appreciate that you can, that. because I teach you how to get the money. Get the money. How and to like make it. Said, I, and I share. I, I I think you said it was um, share, share educate, educate, advise. I advise you on how to get the money. And sometimes mm -hmm. I even educate you on how to get the money. Yeah. But I share my experience right. on how I multiply and generate wealth right but if you want to be advised on that i typically send uh, my clients over to your firm Dope. and i've realized how even when people start making money when you start talking to them about investing that money they still see yeah. it as this is a scary thing mm -hmm. because you're telling me out of the seven out of the million dollars i made mm -hmm. you want me to take three hundred thousand dollars of that and put it somewhere else. and put it somewhere else mm -hmm. donnie i just got this money yeah, right yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's a yeah. shift in mindset that right. still has to okay ha it happened with me mm -hmm. um but now that i do put my money in other things you know david and i are really heavily purchasing real estate and yep. all this stuff now um i don't i personally used to see it that way mm -hmm. i don't so much anymore yeah like Recently, within the last 12 months, I lost a major six-figure investment. Yeah, I heard about those. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um, I, I lost my own six figures. And yeah. that was enough to have taken 
many people out of the game and say, mm -hmm. I'm not investing. Yeah, I'm just sure. saving it. At least I know that my money is my money. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like falling off of a bike. Yeah. You can either fall off of a bike and decide that you will never get on a bike again, mm -hmm. or you will fall off that bike and you will keep on going. Keep on going. And that's exactly, you know, where mm -hmm. I am now. And you really, when it comes to investing, you really have to trust the process. You really have to trust the process. Yeah. And, and if you are ever leaning on someone else to do the investing for you, uh, one thing I encourage all of your listeners to understand is the difference between um, like discretionary asset management, right, versus custody. And so discretionary asset management is what I do, which means that there's a third party institution like Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, right? I have an institutional relationship with them that allows me to make decisions on the investments in the account. I can never withdraw money. I can't add money. I can just make decisions. Only you can withdraw the money, right? Mm -hmm. Custody is when you send a check to an institution and technically they have the access and you're trusting them to manage the money for you, but they can withdraw, they can do whatever they want, right? So be very wary, like very wary if someone is investing money for you and they say send the money to them. I'm not saying it's impossible. Where right? were you last year? <laughs> I'm when I sent the money to them. A, a text message away. <laughs> a text message away. Um, but yeah, Yo. like, so nobody sends George Atchampong money. Capital no. I on my head for idiot because I definitely. She got direct access. I, be telling, I was telling, I, I, it was a friend I was talking to the other day. I was like, you do realize you're one of the hand select people who like, because you're my friend. You're my friend. Like for me, it's like friends is free or you got to work together so we can trust, do the actual process. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? There's no discount. There's no in between. It's either free or we're going through the full process. I'll, you know, I'll give you everything for free if you want it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, because when you, when you stroke the check to that person, now it's like, well, do they have good money management practices? Exactly. I just had a friend who, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say too much. So I don't expose anybody, but like they had paid somebody to plan a trip for them like six months in advance and they get to the destination and like, and they ask them for more money. Cause they're like, yo, I like. I know your, your mentees are here, but like something happened with my money and now I can't reserve the, but well, you can't reserve. I thought you reserved it six months ago when I gave you the money. So never, if you send money directly to a person, if you can help it, like try to make sure there's a third party institution that has a much longer track record yeah. than that individual. Cause the only time you pay me directly is if you're paying me for my time or my consulting, you're not paying me money that's going to be invested directly to me. And it brings me back to just doing your due diligence. Doing your due diligence. Like yeah. when I took that L. I know it hurt. It hurt. But I couldn't even point the finger. Mm, say that again. I, I couldn't point yeah. the finger at anybody but myself. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't a situation where I felt like, let me call this person out and mm -hmm. do this because I was the dummy. Yeah. I did nothing. Like, I look back at the text message conversation and I made a decision within minutes. It's, fo it's FOMO, right? It's like, oh, it's working it's for you. FOMO. It's work Yeah. It's working for y'all. Okay, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of people are making decisions mm -hmm. and then getting burned. Yeah. I've been there, done that, right? Yeah. And um, I, 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 I made that decision. I wish I would even have thought to call you in that moment. Number one, there were a couple of things going on. One, FOMO, fear mm -hmm. of missing out. Two, I was so busy. Yeah. I was the busiest I had ever been. And even though in my mind I said, let me look into this a little bit, yeah. I never did any looking into. Right. I just trusted yeah. a convers you know, the conversation that was had mm -hmm. in a different space. And mm -hmm. um, and I still feel that same way. Yeah. I still feel the same way. Like, dang, if I had like in hindsight, mm -hmm. after the loss, you you find you find the time. Oh yeah, yeah, hindsight. You find the time to start yeah. looking at what stuff. happened. What did I do? Yeah, what yeah. happened? What did I do? And then you start yeah. looking at stuff, and you're like, that shit didn't seem right from the beginning. Right. In hindsight, the retroactive red flags. <laughs> the retroactive red flags popped out, yeah. and I literally I remember calling my mom, mm -hmm. 
Hey, hey, are you a service-based entrepreneur that helps your clients or customers get some type of a result, but you're struggling to post and communicate your message on social media? You don't know how to type a caption that connects and gets people's attention and converts them from just someone who's following you on social to becoming your customer or your client? Great news is that's my superpower. So I'm sending you three text messages every single day, excluding major holidays, directly to your phone of exactly what you need to post to get people to buy and convert them into clients and customers. All you have to do is join my program, Post to Paid, and you can do so by texting the words Post to Paid to 404-737-2767. And the best news is just $37 a month. So hurry up, send me the text. I'm looking for it now. And I said, yo, um, so about the Lambo that I was going to buy this year, um, we're not going to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I, I, you know, in all honesty, I remember calling my mom and that's how I started the conversation. Mm -hmm. Very jokingly. It was a lot of laughter, yeah, yeah. you know, going on. And and she's she's just quiet. And I said, Ma, are you there? Mm -hmm. And she's like, how are you able to laugh after losing that amount of money? I said, yeah. I, I have to like, yeah, what else? I am laughing because otherwise I'd be I'd get angry and I'd start yeah. placing blame in the wrong yep. place yep. and acting out emotionally mm -hmm. in error when at the end of the day. At the end of the day. You know, I have this have this quote that I live by. Um how you how you incur your losses is not how you recoup them. Mm. Right? And so when you have a true abundance mindset, people will throw the term around loosely, but when you have a true abundance mindset, you have to believe that I'm not going to spend mental energy chasing down something that's already gone, wondering why it happened. It's almost like a snake biting you and you're like, why did the snake bite me? Why did it put, I want to, I want to talk to the snake and ask them why they bit me and why they hurt me versus focusing on healing and moving on. Right. And so the same thing is with money. It's like, if I lost money in a certain way, there's no reason for me to like spend real mental energy on focusing on that. Cause I believe that what's ahead of me is much greater anyway. Yeah. And I'm going to recoup that in another way. I'm not going to recoup it by trying to figure this out. I'm going to recoup it by moving on and going on to the next thing. But yeah, due diligence is key. Um, and that's, I think a lot of why like higher level entrepreneurs hire me now, because it's like, this is a sounding board. It's like, Hey, can you review? Like in some, you know, some people like to flex, well, send it to my advisor. He send can it review. To my advisor. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like, I am really going to review. And now that's when people hate to get that call. Cause like, damn, he actually going to like press me on making sure that this makes sense. Yeah. Um, because that's where my zone of genius is, you know, it's like, okay, well actually you're promising a fixed rate of return. Well, how can you do that? Can you show us your capital reserve? Like no, no, the average person is not going to think to ask those questions. Right. And so that's, that's one of the main reasons why people work with me is like, just knowing that you don't have to be the expert. Cause while you maybe made the mistake and didn't do your quote unquote due diligence, it's, it's kind of, it kind of sucks that we live in a world, even like with crime, people like the, you know, why don't you have your head on a swivel? Why don't you do this? It's like, why do I have to? Why do I have to? Why do I have to? Why can't I just walk out there and live my life? You know what I'm saying? Why can't I just give you this hundred and trust that you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do? Trust that you're gonna do what you a said novel you're concept. Do like a novel people, concept. Just do right by people. Y'all stop. And you know what's so crazy? Which why I see people on the internet talk about investing and trading and all this kind of stuff. Like because I'm my firm is registered by the SEC, right? Like. All my stuff, like, I, 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 it's public record for, for the most part, right? And so, like, my returns have beaten, for the past five years, not just the pandemic years, the mm -hmm. past five to six years have beaten Warren Buffett, have beaten S&P 500, have beaten uh, most popular indexes, right? I mean, I mean, I'm talking about, like, decimated, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason why I still don't lead with that as a thing is I don't control the stock market. 
I made some great decisions and did some research and it worked out well for me. But instead of having ego and saying like, yo, like I beat the market and I can like, no, I don't even lead with that. Like most people would lead with that and we'll get a ton of clients just off that. But what happens when something you can't control goes against you? And now that's that's what your business is based off of. I tell my clients, hey, this is what I did. It worked. And I have a, a decade of history of showing it working. And I hope to do the same thing. However, my value proposition isn't anchored in this, right? I'm investing in, in the same stuff. I'm not telling you to do nothing, anything I wouldn't do. But that's not where my value proposition is anchored because I can't control it, yeah. right? And I think that's where people go wrong is something starts to go a little bit right. They don't realize that there are certain things beyond your control. And now you're going to be looking like a fool when... Elon Musk decides he wants to do something crazy and you told everybody to buy Tesla. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And it plummets. And it plummets. What are you, what, what are you leveraging right now um, in, in terms of investments? Like yeah. these are your staples that yeah. you're actually invested in. Yeah. I think better than that, and I'll get to that, is I'll give you my core investment strategies. So that way, again, people can, I, I like to say concepts govern specifics. So if I give you the concept, then even if you decide to do my exact Investments are not. Can you can go do with thing. this high level stuff again. It's go not high level. I'm gonna get. It's gonna be detailed. Are you, okay. I promise. I got you. So going back to what I said in terms of how I, because you asked me originally, like how did I get to knowing what I know, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of the last pillar in the straw was understanding the the power and the purpose of debt and wealth, wealth building. And so I was investing my money in the stock market like I always do. And I realized when you invested in a brokerage account, which you can be at most institutions, they will give you the power to borrow against the value of your portfolio. And by borrow against, I mean, if you have uh, $10,000, they'll let you get a line of credit based upon the collateral that you have, right? So you got 10,000, they'll either let you borrow up to 40% of the value. You get 4,000, you still have your 10,000 invested, but now you got a line of credit for 4,000, right? Mm -hmm. Now, why that became so powerful was because I was like, okay, if I invest in high quality assets like Apple, Microsoft, Google, et cetera, that I believe are gonna be around for the foreseeable future, right? They're gonna be relatively stable with moderate fluctuations. I can leverage that asset to go buy more assets. So now I'm not getting just one use for my money, I'm getting two. So let's say I take that line of credit and I go buy a real estate property. Now I go buy that real estate property but because I'm still in my wealth building phase, that, will, that the real estate property is going to cash flow. If I buy the right property, then I can take that cash flow and do what? I can reinvest it back in the portfolio. So now I got a portfolio that's earning a minimum of 10%. I was able to leverage it to go buy an asset that cash flows. And now, now I'm able to reinvest that cash flow. So now my money is doing working for me three times off of one move. Mm-hmm. That became uh, transformative in my wealth building strategy because now instead of me having to liquidate investments to go buy other investments, I can leverage them. Now, of course, you have to be smart. You have to be strategic with how much you borrow, when you borrow, et cetera. But it can rapidly accelerate your journey. Now, as far as oh, my phone at, I mean, this is full transparency podcast, right? It so let's look at one of my portfolios real quick. I'll just tell you straight up. And I do this in my webinars and stuff, too. I, I'm, I'm, I'll give you the real receipts, not the screenshots from 10 years ago. From I, want, I want to see you refresh the screen. and. <laughs> right, not the, not the screenshots. All right, um, let's see what we got here. I'm trying to show y'all one of them. Cause I just want to tell you what to do. I mean, listen, I want your I want your I want your audience to get value. Let's get it. All right, so because the thing is, I want to demystify. It. People think that it's like it has to be this hard thing, right? Like to invest, but like, so let me, so what do you see when you look at the number, the percentage number? This is year to date. Okay, it's one of my it's one it's one of my accounts. What's that? What does that say? 43.64%. So this particular account made uh, $108,000 uh, this year just 
parking my money, high quality assets. Now, when you look at the top ones, what do you see? Apple. Can't see that far. Can't see that. Put your glasses on. Context on it's bad. Right. So when you look down, when you look Apple, down at the company, Amazon, Tesla. Right. Okay. So if, yeah. So a few names, few names that we all know and love. And there's like ten other ones. But my point is, in that particular account, I'm able to leverage that. That was account. a key, you guys. I don't want Apple, Amazon, Tesla, but he's not giving you stock advice. Yeah, that was yeah. Do your own research. Yeah. Um. The the point of that is like that account based upon the account value. I can now use that account to go acquire more assets, and I have done that. Right. That's what I do. Um, and so it doesn't matter the specific stocks that you invest in. If I were you to keep it simple, I would invest in, uh, make up, I, I would have 60% of my portfolio invested in indexes. So like, uh, VOO, um, and QQQ, like I would have like 60% of my portfolio. They're, um, here's why I'll explain it. They're basically ETFs. And so the way they work is imagine your favorite mall in your city. What's the, what's the mall here? Phipps or Phipps. Okay, cool. If Louis Vuitton is out there. Yeah. If Louis Vuitton closes down in Phipps Mall, do you think Phipps Mall is going to close down? For no reason. They'll just they'll just replace it with another store, right? Yeah. That's kind of how ETFs and exchange exchange traded funds work. They're they're a collection of a bunch of companies, and one or two or three or ten may or not perform that well. They'll just get replaced, right? But you don't have to worry about getting it right with the one company, mm -hmm. right? So that's why I recommend that everybody have a base of their portfolio invested in index funds or ETFs. Now. When you dig into those ETFs, you can see what, like, just the same way if you go into Phipps Mall, you can see what's in the store. From the outside looking in, it looks like a mall. But when you walk in the mall, you can see all the stores. If you look inside of an ETF, you can see the company. Oh, y'all own a lot of Apple. Y'all own a lot of. So then what you can do is look at their top holdings, mm -hmm. right? Look at the ones that are carrying the portfolio. And then ask yourself, well, do I want to own a little bit more of those outside of the ETF or index fund? And yeah, you'll be a little bit overweight, but if you believe in those companies, then now that's how you're going to have a better return than the indexes themselves. Because the indexes have to be so diversified, right? They have to account for everything. And so they're invested in a lot of companies that aren't performing, and, the, and there's a handful of them that are keeping the fund propped up. So if you look inside of it and see what's happening, you can do the same thing and probably perform better than the index. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That's the most detailed your high-level <laughs> descriptions have been year to date. Oh, that's funny. Year to date. That's All right, funny. shift gears just a little bit. Yeah. What are you struggling with right now? What am I? I think I mentioned it a little bit. Um, becoming a great leader in the sense of loud. Terrible leader. No, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a good leader now. What I'm the, the aspect of leadership that I'm struggling with is allowing my leaders to lead. Okay. Right now, because now I have a level between me and the rest of my people. Question about yeah. that: Allowing your leaders to lead, are you feeling like they're boxing you out a little bit? Like mm -hmm. you, it's a little jealousy going. Yeah, it's like oh, what's ego? going on? Yeah. Well, it's just like I didn't know what's happening. Like at the end of the day, nobody put me in the loop. Let me know what's going on. Like at the end of the day, but like do you need to know. Maybe not. I don't know. Do you need to know what's going on, George? From a high level perspective, I do. From a, <laughs> from a high level perspective, I, I need to at least be looped in, right? But we're working on that. We're working on this getting this dashboard that I can see everything, and that way I don't got to talk to nobody. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I'm struggling with that um, because I'm, I'm used. It's just muscle memory. If I have like someone who was working in a certain capacity before, or everybody just reported to me before, I might just send a quick voice. A quick voice note. You never send quick voice notes. Reese is Wow. Like, never. That's what we're doing? You never send. Y'all, listen. George will. So George has a habit of sending like three to five minute voice notes, right? Minute and, and a half. 
Minimally. Reach that one I sent you yesterday. It wasn't even long. It's like 47 seconds. At minimum, you're going to get a 90-second voice note from George, but they can go up to about five minutes. And so, jokingly, uh, we're on tour. Me, mm-hmm. you, David, uh, Shans, and Carter Cofield, we're mm-hmm. on tour. Uh, the proof uh, pro- the proof is in the Prophets tour. Yep. And George is killing us in the group chat. I mean, he is slaughtering us in the group this chat. Is, this, is a, this is a dramatic overstatement. This is, the, it's, this is it's dramatic. It's two-minute voice note after two-minute voice note after two. So, nobody's listening to these voice notes. And George comes back in kind of like, is anybody in here? And we're like, yo, we are here, but we are not listening to that. You are not about to voice note us to death. I don't understand what the big deal is. It's a really big deal. because Why? Just, just pick up the phone and call me. It's really difficult to sit there while doing whatever, while driving, while eating, and listen to a... Th- you, you can listen to a podcast. It's, it's like listening to a podcast. Yeah, but it's I like can... a three-minute podcast. I can pause the podcast if I need to. You can to. pause the voice note. I can record Voice can notes have evolved. It. You can, can hold it down, it. and it's, they've evolved. Listen, no, I don't I don't want to... You might as well pick up the phone and call me, right? Because now, now your expectancy is for me to be as detailed as your first response. So I tell George, I say, George... I really can't tolerate more than oh my God. 30 seconds. Which is ridiculous. Of a voice note. Who can right? get a thought out in 30 seconds? The greeting, the greetings dang near 30 seconds. Don't greet me. Don't greet me. Wow. <laughs> just, just come in and straight, just. Just come in and get straight to the point. Okay. Or you can, t- you can text like, hey, Donnie, good morning. And then voice note, right? Because George's voice notes is like, hey, uh, Donnie, uh, well, first, let me just say this, queen. Uh, I think you're amazing. I hope you're having a great day. The sun's rising oh, on the west my for you. God. I, I'm not. I'm not no grand rising. Don't do that. Don't. Don't do it. I'm not no grand rising. No. This, no. Don't do your, it. Hey, Donnie. First of all, it's been a while. We hadn't talked in weeks, and I just wanted to say good morning. And imagine the baby are sending love your way. But uh, wow. <laughs> for, excuse me for being a, for 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 be, having proper etiquette in the conversation. But anyway, we're not gonna spend ten minutes. Whoa, wait. So I tell George, thirty seconds. Me. Do you know what George does next? He sends like six 30 second text message got, and voice notes. Gotta be back more specific. To to Listen, to gotta, be, gotta be more specific. Yo, I'm losing it because he means it. Um, and, and I don't even know where we're going with that, but that's one of, that's something that we need to add to we the team. We're talking about the team. We're talking about the team. So I'll, I'll send, I'm used to being able to send quick communication, right? <laughs> I'll be spit up on yourself. <laughs> spit, uh, uh, send quick communication to my team, but then now they're saying, well, it's almost like this, right? If, if, if somebody worked for Facebook and they had a manager and, and Mark Zuckerberg sends you an email, it's automatically going to trump whatever your manager sends you. Mm-hmm. So their concern is like, hey, look, you're the CEO. If you, you, you think it's innocent just asking them to, to do something, but it's going to trump whatever we ask them to do and undermine our leadership because it's coming from you. So and, and then you might not have context to something that's already in motion, and now so so I I understand it, but it's just new territory for, territory for me, mm-hmm. so I'm struggling with it. But I saw it and I hired a coach. I love that so much for you, and I'm wishing you luck. Thank you on that journey. Um, do you believe that the customer is always right? No. Just no. Flat out. Not always. Always. That's absolute. Nobody. No, nothing is always anything. Well, you know that's what we learn in corporate America. Customer that's- is always right. As an I, entrepreneur lately, I've been like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, nah. bro. Because people, customers, we can pull pe- up. On. People, people, people are people are people. People yeah. will try to scam you. People try to buy your product and charge. Like, no, no, Wait, no, no. Don't even skate over that because while all these people want to talk Ooh. about who's scamming and what business on, mm. yo, it's customers out here. They're scamming. I have had 
like the and and this one happened maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. but it's the most disrespectful one still to date. Yeah, right. I had this guy. I almost every time I tell this story, want to mm-hmm. say his get name. A little, get a little mad, a little agitated about it because I could pull <laughs> up on you, and you know who you are because you're still watching. Anyway. So I had this guy purchase my course, Six Figure Accelerator, mm-hmm. and it's a developmental course for coaches and consultants. He purchases mm-hmm. the course. Yeah. He's on every Q&A. He's on Instagram every single day, yeah. literally. Shout out to Donnie Wiggins, my coach. She helped me, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Shout out to Donnie Wiggins. I made my first $3,000. Shout out $10,000. Yeah. So he goes on. He builds a program, and he's actually one of my technical, technically f- fastest success stories, mm-hmm. one of them, right? He went out and did six figures in like under six months or so, gotcha. right? He from zero. Mm-hmm. He goes out. He builds this program. He's always shouting me out, always yeah. paying homage. Pictures of me and him every yeah. time he sees me at an event. The seventh month, your boy charges back. Wow. He charges back, That's and crazy. so he when he purchased the program, he made three payments. Mm-hmm. So he had monthly pay. He charged yeah. every single payment back. <sighs> Uh, two of them were for fraud, basically saying it was a fraudulent transaction. And the third one said he never received the program. So just, just lying, just lying. Right. So I sent him a DM mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, I just got these chargebacks from you. Maybe you didn't, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Maybe your assistant, maybe something happened. Maybe somebody did this. Maybe you right. didn't recognize the merchant mm-hmm. and you're, you know, and I sent him the message and said, Hey, these chargebacks came in. Um, I was just trying to confirm that this was correct. Right. Can you confirm? He never, ever responds, right? Wow. He liked the message. Never, ever responds. The disrespect. The level of disrespect. So you know what it's like when somebody just likes the message. Right. That ne- needs, but never but never responds. That needs yeah. a response. Yeah. So that happens. So I say, okay, mm-hmm. maybe somebody else checks his Instagram. Let me email him. Let me text him. Mm-hmm. So we do all of this from the, the chain of the company chain of communication. Mm-hmm. And... He never, ever responds. So I'm thinking this is an easy win because I have a recording of the call. Mm -hmm. I have the video evidence of all the, the, I have his usage in my back office. I have pictures. I'm sending everything to the bank to strike. Yeah. I lose the dispute anyway. They gave him, he paid on an American Express. Mm -hmm. American Express, gonna honor. Yeah, American Express, they they always protect their customers. So it doesn't even matter. I end up losing the dispute. I'm furious. You know... This guy mm-hmm. comes to an event. Oh, wow. A couple of months later, <laughs> records me at the event, mm-hmm. tags me in a picture that says dopest coach ever. What? Yo. Maybe, 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 maybe all the lights are on and nobody's home. Maybe all the lights were on and nobody's and ma- home. Maybe the elevator don't go all the way to the top floor. I could not believe the audacity. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. So about a year later, after all of this happens, mm-hmm. he sends me an email and says he wants to apologize. His mindset wasn't where his mindset should have been, <laughs> and he never meant to dispute the charges. If he could, yeah. he would. He would. Uh, he said it's something like, "If he could, he would take that decision back." And I just resp- responded and said, I can send you a link to, to make that payment. Yeah. Otherwise, send this to your bank and don't ever reach out to me again. Right. Of course, he he obviously didn't do that. But customers will try to get over on. Oh, 100 percent. Customers try to scam, too. Yeah. yeah. It goes both ways. Customers. will try So, no. To do the, it so I don't know where you're going with the question, but no, I don't think that customers are always right. Customers are not always right. No, mm-hmm. I, I think that you should 
receive all the feedback and look at trends to see like, okay, well, is there an opportunity for growth? Is it, is it me? Is it the company? I think you should, I think you should be open to it, but I also don't think you should feel like every complaint or every instance, the customer is right. It's not, it's not true. I mean, it sounds good. It sounds, it's like it sounds like a good like mission statement or something like well we believe the customer is always the right. Customer is always like the Ritz, right. I think the Ritz has a slogan or something. It's like yes. Now what's the answer or something like or what's the question? Basically, like we're gonna say yes to yes. whatever. I, I sounds I'm going on vacation or something. Yeah, that you got my money. And, and but you know, other than that, I don't know. When it comes to like things like that, we love the Ritz because mm-hmm. the Ritz all the Ritz believes the customer is always right. They are mm-hmm. going to do everything to yeah. Oh, now, Chick-fil-A was like that until very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not feeling like it's their pleasure every single time anymore. <laughs> but I think that it has to be even, we got to be careful. Like, we want our customers to be respected mm-hmm. at 100% of the time. Facts. And we want people who are very emotionally intelligent when it comes to dealing with the customer. Mm-hmm. But it has to be such a tense work environment right. to create an environment where an employee can't really defend what's right. No, that's a fact. Right? It has to be a really mm-hmm. tense working environment. When you're creating team culture in your own company, yeah. what are the core values that are important to you? Yeah. Um, one of them is when the facts change, so do we. And the logic behind that is, you know, we are, no matter how big we grow, we want to be a speedboat, not a cruise ship. Um, matter of fact, this will be relevant to you. I think I talked to you about it. Like I was in the process of switching CRMs. Okay. And I was From like, I, I had HubSpot, okay. which I think you still have HubSpot. Mm-mm. Yeah, so I had HubSpot, and then I was thinking about switching to Salesforce because I feel like I was getting nickel and dime with HubSpot, and I was like, yeah, okay, at some point, it's the size of my list is just annoying. I didn't even care about the money, per se. I was just like, this is just, I feel like y'all playing me, playing in my face. Um, and so I was like, forget it. I'm going, I'm going to uh, a Salesforce. And I did my due diligence, and we tell them what we needed and all the tech stacks and blah, 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 and they still sold us a dream, and it was clunky, and I hated it. And even though I paid for the year, I said, we're not, we're not using it. I, like, I don't care. We're not using it. I might try to charge back up. Right, 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 right. I did. Well, I didn't try to try. It was an invoice. So I was like, I tried not to pay the second one. And they like tried to lock up my dad. That's another story for another day. But anyways, so instead of me trying to fight through and keep it, um, how you incur your losses and not how you recoup them, I said, forget it. I know we spent all this money on Salesforce. We're making a change. It doesn't make sense. We're moving on. And so I empower my team. To understand that if they ever realize that a way that they did we did something before doesn't work, let's address it and let's change. Let's not be rigid because we this is what we said. I know we live in a screenshot shot culture where it's like, well, you said this in 2020. Like, I don't bro, I don't care. When the facts change, so do I. When the facts change, so do I. So that's that's, that's a big bar. one. Um the other one is another big one is um standardize the process, but customize the experience. Okay. Right? What I mean by that is for example, every client that I that I bring on board, we have them complete a getting to know you better form. It has nothing to do with financial planning. It has everything to do with what's on your bucket list for travel. Uh, do you have kids? Do they play sports? Like knowing who they are as a person. And we've standardized that so that when we do have conversations with them, we can remember those. Because I, I mean, the brain is a great place for thinking of ideas. It's not a great place for storing them. So, so now we can, you can log into the CRM before you hop on a call. It's like, Oh, boom, boom. Oh, they just got a new job at this building. They said their favorite food is uh, Chinese. There's a, there's a Chinese restaurant that's two minutes away from their job. They just started Send them a $25 gift card for lunch. Cause they, the last thing they need to be worried about during their first week of onboarding is where they're going to go for lunch. Right. Well, we were able to customize that experience because we standardized the process. Make notes on that. You said it's a getting to know you better. You're getting to the, I'll send you, I'll send you that form. It's a tight send form. Send me your framework, but Bree. Mm-hmm. It's very important that we're 
subscribing and duplicating, and we're going to pretend like we came up with that. It has to feel organic. This is going to be an email blast that goes out to all of the clients. Like Donnie just had this genius idea. Guys, this is how we're going to serve you at a higher level. Just when you see me train that. Hey, I'm cool. Pretend like y'all didn't hear it here on Full Transparency. Hey, I like to call it the ripple effect of impact. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, stole, I've stolen more than a few. I told you, your infrastructure stuff has gotten me right over the years. Yeah. Um, so that's, a, that's another big one for me is like, cause you, it sounds good to think that you're going to remember everybody's this, that, and the third, but you're not mm -hmm. right. But you can standardize it, have a, have a way to remember, remember it. As a matter of fact, on one of the social proof episodes, one of the guys said something stuck out to me. He was like, you got to optimize for retrieval in your business or something like that. And so it's like, you might, you might be able to remember that, but like, wouldn't it be much better to have a system to be able to remember that? So you can still customize it, but not you know, try to feel like you have to remember everything. So I would say those are two of the big ones. Um, we have, I think, seven total, but those are two of the big it's ones. It's hard to remember them all, like, when you put on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be knowing, like, yeah. operate, in operate with integrity. That's, right. like, my number one core number one. value. Yeah, yeah. And anytime somebody, I know that one, <laughs> operate with integrity because I feel like yeah. everything kind of rises and falls on 100%. your level of integrity, for sure. Because the beautiful thing about integrity is they won't always know, but you will. Mm, right? Yes. They won't always know, but you will. And that, and that has to be enough. If that's not enough, then you need to check your integrity and check your character. Yeah. As we're wrapping up, George, again, you have one of the sharpest minds. Thank you. And the most integral characters I've intercepted. You're a really good guy. I appreciate that. You're a really good guy. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. What were you going to say? No, I thought you were going to say, we, when we were offline, uh, I was I, I, you were getting my coffee order. I said, Donnie, I don't care what they say about you. You're a good woman. He said, say that on camera. So. Oh! First of all, like, you're supposed to say it on camera without saying that I said. Oh, yeah, but it's a full transparency part. But but before but I, meant, I still meant it. You said it without prompting. I still meant it. I got his coffee order. George is like, man, I should have stopped and got a coffee. I'm like, you want some coffee? I got the coffee. My assistant went to go get the coffee. I paid for the coffee, and George is like, you're a good woman. I don't care what they say about you. You're a good woman. I, I was did. gonna I ask that. you. Yeah. I know you're a very married man, and you've mm -hmm. been married for a long time mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of single women. Shout out to Madge, my girl. We got beef, though. How you feel about people who got beef with your wife? People who got... That are, that are friends with you, mm -hmm. but got beef with your wife. That's a good one. Uh, I don't think you can be friends with me and have beef with my wife. I like it. Yeah, I don't, so I don't George, think that's possible. We got a possible. problem right now. What's the problem? We got a problem because I got beef with Madge. Madge, <laughs> I need you to see this clip very clearly, Okay. <laughs> If you don't come and be my brand coach and help me sp get these sponsorships and oh, she got you. She just talked about, it. but it's integrity in the business. She's getting, she's, she's onboarding. She will you're, not. You're, you're, you're gonna be here top. She literally brought you up. You're her top ten. She will not. She got you. I have been asking Majesty for like a year at it this point. Not a year. Maybe it's, four, it's, three it's months. Been, four okay, months. Maybe it's been a couple of months. But maybe. Well, well, I'm, I'm telling you firsthand. I might. She, she. You're you're next on the list. I'm next on the list. Right. Because it's but again, it's about operating integrity. She's doing it in a way where she does once she onboards you, then y'all can hit the ground running. Okay, because I want to make some sponsorship money too. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, I'm, I'm, I, but I. But the thing is, but, I told Madge. Um, because she gave me access to her course. Mm -hmm. I said, girl. What we talked about earlier. What we talked about earlier. I don't want this course. I want right. you to help me, Madge. I want you to help me. I want you to be my manager. Like, say that you represent Donnie Wiggins and take whatever those fees are like that. Now she she got you. Trust me. It's, you, what, what month are we in? Uh, by the end of September, I, I'll make sure that this is it. Now, yeah. if you're, are you, is this a guarantee? You're making sure? I'm, I'm making sure it's a guarantee. Okay, because then we'll all have beef. We'll all have beef. We, we don't got, want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want those problems. We don't want that. All right, back to this. One of the sharpest mindsets that I know, um, you're always on point. You kind of mm -hmm. did a, a fashion switch on me. George used to be in the three-piece suits with that thick, 
thick tie knot. I still got the three piece. Well, not three piece. The suits, not the. You got the pinstripe. Pinstripe pin suits is what I meant. But he be having that big fat tie knot. Yeah, it's been a while since I wore that knot, yeah. And mm -hmm. now you are in hoodies and t-shirts. Both. I mean, it's called versatility, Donnie. I haven't Donnie. seen you in a suit in a long time. I was in a suit like last week. I was in a, I was, I think I, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, verse, it's versatility. Evolution. It's hot. It's hot. Well, I guess hoodies are hot too, but comfort, man. Fun, you know, function. Comfort and functionality. Functional effect. George, yeah. as we're closing out, talk, what keeps you sharp? Like, this isn't. You didn't what you didn't you weren't born this sharp, mm -mm. right? And there's been, like I said, a lot of growth and evolution that yeah. even I've noticed. What are you doing to become your best self? Because if there is an epitome of becoming your better self, mm -hmm. you're one of you're, oh, you're, wow. you're that. Well, for sure. And she, and I'm telling you, Donnie, <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> I appreciate this. Um, but no, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I think that. It's going to sound very simple, but I, I will give an actual example. I identify the man that I want to become. I, I literally have it written down and I do my best to align my actions with things that will help me get there. Right. So whether it's reading the, the books that will help me become a better man in that category, whether it's hiring a coach, whether it's like I just truly make it a habit to align my thoughts, my actions, and my words. Because you are the only person who's heard 100% of the lies that you've told yourself, mm. right? When you snoozed then you thought you said you was gonna work out. Nobody else knew, but you did, mm -hmm. right? When you said you was gonna call that client, but you didn't do it. Like, so for me, if what I think and what I say and what I do are in alignment, and I'm always tracking and measuring that, uh, it, just, it just helps me evolve. But what do I do in a tactical, specific, non-high level yeah. standpoint? Um, I, tr I try to read every week. Um, remember that book that I shouted out at the New York stop? God forbid, I got e eaten alive for the name of the book because I was in New York. I forgot where I was and I said uh, the hard thing about hard things. And, you know, when you're in New York, you have to pause everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I read, but I read with intention. Okay. Right? So I think about what is the needle that I want to move the most in my life right now. And I try to find a, a book that will help me move that needle. Um, I passively listen to podcasts while I'm working out. Not just general podcasts. This, this is a great podcast to listen to. I like this podcast. Listen to podcasts. And um, I just try to become a master of my craft. I mean, like, I never think that I know too much. Um, I'm always learning. I'm always diving into something new um, just so I can continue to evolve and refine. I don't reinvent. I refine. Mm. Right? I think people lose the power of compounding on their own greatness because they reinvent themselves too much. I don't reinvent. I ref I've been doing the same, some variation of the same thing for 12 years, right? And that has allowed me to just like distill it down to the best possible version of it versus like, ooh, this is a hot thing. Crypto's a hot thing or this is the hot thing. NFT. Yeah, y'all saw when it was hot. Y'all didn't, didn't see me switch my paradigm. Like people will jump from thing to thing. And here's the thing. You can be, I'm never, I'll never say you can't make money chasing trends. I'll never say you can't make money being a one hit wonder. The question is, do you want to be here for a good time? Or do you want to be here for a long time? And I want to do both. Mm. So I love that so much. And I have to say, um, because they don't they don't know you like I do, in mm -hmm. addition to all of these uh very intentional things that you're doing, George, mm -hmm. you you're living life, you have fun, mm -hmm. you travel, yeah. you laugh until you cry, yep. you know how to be raw and yeah. and down to earth and 
very appropriate and very inappropriate, but it'd be hysterical yeah. stuff. You are, you are truly living your life and I am proud of you. And I, I can't, appreciate that. I can't, it's, it's been about five years. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see the next five, the next five years, like the next yeah. five years. And we'll come back to this moment and we'll probably be laughing. Like <laughs> we thought we was doing that. something. We yeah. thought we were doing something yeah. because five years ago we thought we were doing something yeah. too. But that's, but that's but the we big were. thing. We were, we were we like, were. And, like, even when you look back at your old clothes and old outfits, you're like, what was I doing at that time? No, mm -hmm. we was lit with the Jabot jeans. I had, with the strap at that time at we that lit. time at that time we were lit at that time we were lit. speaking of outfits typically um when guests who have apparel come on to yeah the i actually country. have some in the car so before you even go there i, I have some relax pipe down donnie pipe down yeah donnie. Pipe I, have, down. I have a hat <laughs> i have a hat and i have a shirt and it's unreleased something we haven't released yet i love that so much yeah. thank you george for being here with us thank you for um, having me thank you and you guys um i don't advocate for a lot of people, like emphatically, right? But George is a great guy. I encourage you. His details are going to be linked wherever you're watching this episode or listening to this episode. I encourage you to go over to his uh, social media profiles. Get to know him on your own. Ask some questions. Do you be responding to DM? Yeah, I do. I'm not bougie. Yeah, okay. I respond. So yeah. he's still responding. You you can. We are, we are about to hire a chat a, a company that's going to like handle the business side of the. I was like, but make sure y'all don't touch my primary stuff. That's all me. Got you, got yeah. you, got you. You can DM George. Go check him out. Go get to know him. Go ask him some questions. Engage with his content because he's consistently dropping financial education game. Thank you again for and thank you being for having here, me. for sure. I want to give you your flowers as well. I mean, this is a, an amazing platform you've built. I mean, this podcast in particular, you haven't had it for that long, but it's already topping the charts. Your consistency is to be admired. Your, your, the professionalism of even getting me here because I've been on a lot of podcasts the the release form the calendar invite like I pay attention to those things because I'm in this space so I want to tell you you're doing it right thank you I'm proud of you this is a great platform you're a great person and I'm really excited to see how you grow and to see how many brand deals my wife gets you I for love this that podcast. so much I love yeah. that so much when you come back I want to talk to you about how a how 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 high level women because mm -hmm. your wife is a high level woman mm-hmm attracts mm. a high level man. That's a good one. I like that's, that's a that's, good one. That's gonna be maybe when this episode drops, we'll go live. I mm. like to go live with my guests. And with that. We'll go live and we'll talk about that because you know, high level woman. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right you guys, this has been another amazing episode of Full Transparency with Donnie Wiggins. I will see y'all next week. <laughs>